it's funny that you brought that fact up about, you know, when you were 16 and well, like, whoa, I've been here before. I had that experience too around that same age in London, <laughs> but more specifically Hampton Court. Welcome to the Past Life Awakening Institute podcast. If you're interested in having personal sessions or certification training, go to pastlifeawakeninginstitute.com for details. Welcome, Maggie. Good to have you on the podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Great. So this is Maggie Donovan. Uh, she's a transpersonal hypnotherapist from the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy. She has a degree in psychology from the University of New Orleans, and she has additional learning credits from my Past Life Awakening Institute. And so she has a career in the past as an educator of history, and she was then guided back to her calling as a hypnotherapist to work with people on their spiritual journey. She works in person at the Metaphysical Resource Center in New Orleans and online giving sessions via Zoom. So you can find her at uh, thehypnoticniche.com and the, her website for the Metaphysical Resource Center is mrctreasures.com. So it's interesting as a transpersonal hypnotherapist, if you can tell us, uh, and what does that mean in terms of the therapeutic modalities that you tend to use? Well, um... I generally do a lot of past life regression, uh, past life regression therapy and uh, life between lives. Um, but I also include karmic astrology or past life astrology uh, in the mix as well. When we're talking about hypnotherapy or being a transpersonal hypnotherapist, there are a lot of hypnotherapists out there who are really focusing on regression uh, to this life or working with the subconscious mind. But it's nice to have hypnotherapy that adds in and knows well, if we're going to regress to this life, we can regress to past lives, between lives. So what was it that made you decide to go beyond uh, and, uh, hypnotherapy or even what psychology would uh, work with, which is, you know, the conscious mind, the subconscious maybe, to get into the superconscious and to these other really spiritual realms? So when I was about 19, I had discovered hypnotherapy and past life regression. And that is, I was like, that's what I want to do. Um, so I decided to move to New Orleans because uh, I love New Orleans. I'm originally from Texas. And um, I decided to get a degree in psychology at the University of New Orleans. However, during that time, Hurricane Katrina happened. And it kind of threw a wrench in everything. Um, I was able to get my degree. Um, but I was washed back up to Dallas and I had to find a way of making a living pretty quickly. Uh, hypnotherapy schools were not online at that time. If, if there were, it was not on my radar. Um, and I had plans to go to a school somewhere in California. I can't even remember the name of it now after I finished here. Uh, but the hurricane happened. I ended up back in Dallas and then I fell into teaching for a long time. Um, so I taught, you know, history, ancient history to middle schoolers for quite a bit of time. And then around right before COVID hit, um, I had decided to come back around to hypnotherapy. Um, so it was something like past life regression was something that I would regularly, you know, research and consume on YouTube as many videos as I could. <laughs> Uh, it's just one of these things I couldn't get enough of. And, um, you know, I had my first past life regression, ironically enough, at the metaphysical shop that I uh, work out of. Um, 
as a teacher and it just blew my mind and I was just slowly but surely I made my way um, to doing uh, what I do now which I love. Okay when was uh, Hurricane Katrina how long ago was that? That was in 2005. 2005 wow it's uh it's a long time isn't it so uh, yes. and yeah I, I, so you're 19 years old uh, back then around that time so what was it that made you click with past life regression hypnotherapy back when you're 19 the first time? That is a good question. I don't know. I grew up uh, very traditional Catholic. I went to a Catholic school. Um, it was not on my radar at all. Um, but as soon as I had discovered the idea of reincarnation and then this past life regression where you can be hypnotized to see former lives, it was just, it just clicked for me. It was like, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I want to do. Okay. But did you just, did you discover a book or something? Uh or just yes yeah. well i actually looked uh once i found i feel like i may have seen it on tv or something but okay. i did um go hunting for books but um it was a book that i've that i've had forever even through moves and things like that it's i still have it today and i had bought it way back then right uh, but it was something that i read through yeah was there something else happening at that time were you doing any spiritual practices did you have any uh, awakening experiences, uh, any anything like that uh, in conjunction with finding the book? So maybe the kind of thing where something happens to you experientially, and then a book, and uh, because of that, you then click and understand the book at a deeper level? I feel like me understanding the book at a deeper level came much later. Okay. I think when I was younger, I was just really interested in the concept of it. I, you know, put tarot cards, I was into astrology even back then. Right. So very much always had a metaphysical bent. Um, but I feel that, uh, you know, it, it took a long time for it to actually click. So I feel like it probably just wasn't the right time for me to pursue it. I wasn't ready. Yeah, I see that commonly uh, with a lot of uh, students that come and do training with me. They'll often say, you know, I've been interested in this for so long, but I haven't mm -hmm. been able to get around to doing it properly professionally. And there can mm -hmm. often be a bit of regret with that. I spoke to someone recently. It's like, I, you know, I even trained when I was 24, 25 and I was doing it for a while, but then sort of life took over and now I'm coming back to it after 10, 15 years. And that's kind of a similar story to you as well. And so, but people can then think, you know, oh, you know, I wish I'd uh, got into it when I was 19 or 24 or whatever and continued it. But I tend to find like the story of I was interested, but then couldn't do it for a long time and came back to it is the story. You, I, yeah. I, I really, I really, if ever have met people, we said, oh, I was 18 and I thought I want to do this when I grow up and that's what I did. I mean, I've, I've met thousands of people. I don't know if I've met people like that. I suspect they may be being born now. <laughs> But not of my yeah. gen not of my not of my generation anyway. So so that is the story, and so that's that sort of that trick, you know. People it can be that thing of feeling, you know, I was really into it, but it was too early. It wasn't the time, and now it is the time. And I had to go through these life experiences and build up transferable skills. But then one trick that can be is some people can think, you know, uh, it was too early for me. But I don't want people to think now, you know, I'm 35, 40, 50. It's too late. And so, right. And so that's one thing I'd say to people, you know, maybe uh, it was too early then, but that doesn't mean it's too late now. And in fact, and don't regret that I couldn't do it earlier because the life experiences you've had in the meantime were, I think, part of the life purpose that were all leading you towards being able to uh, do this 
later on. Uh, so is that something that you feel? And we, I just actually meant the time that you uh, spent, you know, being an educator and particularly in history, that's uh, history, by the way, was my best subject in school. And, uh, and uh, as a past life regression therapist, I think that work fits pretty well and being an educator. So what kind of, did you find that build up transferable skills or sort of make sense as you look back? Oh, yes, yes. Especially like you mentioned, you know, the history piece. Um, I was always interested in history, but obviously as a history teacher, you know, you become, I don't want to call myself an expert, but you become, you know, really, uh, you have a really good understanding of history after teaching it for so many years. And, uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. It is uh, a, a nice skill to have as a past life regressionist. Because they may not, you know, how when people, you know, uh, regress back into a lifetime and they're not exactly sure where they are, what's going on and with this history background, it's like, oh, okay, I, I can already kind of pick up where they are uh, before they do. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think it's also just part of, uh, you know, you're living day to day in the present being a teacher, but your working, waking life is immersed in thoughts of the past and how those... Yeah. And how those causes lead us to be the nation or the, the the people that we are collectively and then we can start seeing that really uh, at an individual level so you mentioned there being uh like going to new orleans and uh, uh studying there i do hear this quite a lot as well which is like i'm really interested in past life regression and hypnotherapy so i'm going to go and study psychology well uh i thought that psychology would have been a good degree to have to become a hypnotherapist yeah and then and i just I took to it as well. Um, that's another subject I can't get enough of. Okay. Did it turn out to be something that was helpful for, hypno uh, for hypnotherapy? Yes. I think the degree in psychology helped me through teaching as well. Um, okay. Because uh, as a teacher, as an educator, you don't see the student as, uh, you know, a number or uh somebody that's going to do well on a test for you, you see the whole person or the whole individual. Yeah. Uh, but also it helps with, you know, your interpersonal skills and um, understanding, you know, that, uh, you know, you don't take everything personal. Um, somebody's coming at you with, with something, um, certain attitude or whatever it may be uh, that, you know, you knowing with the back, with the psychology background, take a step back and like, okay, but what are they dealing with? Don't take it personal. So on and so forth. Would you even recommend it? Because some people do ask me and they, they'll even say, I wanted to be a past life regressionist and hypnotherapist and I did psychology. And then we never really touched on anything that I was really that interested in anyway. So I was like, well, what did I, you know, what did I do that for? Uh, apart <laughs> from, apart from the indirectly related things. So was that a little bit your experience or did you find no, actually, uh, I, I wouldn't change it, and it all sort of worked together and helped out. That's a really good question. Um, I have found personally, like I said, having a degree in psychology has helped me through, you know, the many chapters of my life. Uh, yeah. But related to hypnotherapy, I would say that psychology, the psychology degree is just a base, uh, you know, for human behavior and um, as well as the different theories. I would say that I don't use it as much as far as that goes, you know, um, but when I did end up at the Institute of Interpersonal Hypnotherapy, I mean, that hit on everything I was interested in. Right. Uh, 
Actually, one thing people do say to me is like, I really want to do past life regression hypnotherapy, but I'm going to study psychology because that is an esteemed degree. And hypnotherapy yeah. is something which, you know, you only the training courses are not as rigorous as a, you know, three to five year university degree. So it is nice to have those credentials. But if you really specifically after that, so how did you find like taking that next step into the transpersonal hypnotherapy study you did? Oh, I loved it. I, I loved it so much. Okay. I, again, I couldn't get enough and I love your courses as well. Um, I took them afterwards and um, just, just to know that um, I love the school that I went to, but I really love the way that you delivered the material. Um, and uh, I felt like it was um, just, I don't know. I don't want to say better organized. I would just say that I just like the way that you delivered it. Um, so I, yeah, I, I, I just couldn't get enough of, uh, the material. I absolutely loved every minute of it. Cool. Actually that, yeah. Well, thanks for saying that. And it's interesting because sometimes, you know, they're kind of training that I offer and I have those video courses and I also mm -hmm. offer training. And one thing I do hear, another thing I hear from people is that, you know, I've got some sort of certification already. So I'm already mm -hmm. a hypnotherapist and I've got, I've had 30 clients and I've gone quite well. So I'm not really quite sure why I'll do extra training with you. And so what you're saying there, and I think this is a good thing, a useful thing, that uh, even if you're certified in a number of uh, things already, it doesn't mean mm -hmm. the, the other training, even in a similar topic or a related topic, even if it uh, is beneficial. Uh, and oh. yeah, very beneficial. But I do meet people who don't quite get that. This is something that my teacher said to me which is that he, some of the best therapists he knew, they got certified and they'd have practiced mm -hmm. for a while. And then the next year they'd go to another certification course. They've already certified mm -hmm. in it. They just go to it again. And they would do that three yeah. times. They would do that three times. So they're not like, yes. I've got my certificate. I know everything. I've done 30 yes. clients. They went well. But then the thing is they'd have 30 clients that go well. And then, I have, then I'd have a question about, I've had a couple of clients that didn't go that well. You know, can you help yes. me with this? And then I'll give them advice and they'll go, but you don't understand. I already know anything, everything. I'm like, well, <laughs> and there's a bit of a myth. <laughs> so I'm like, well, you wouldn't be if you're asking that. And then and it's a little bit of starting at the beginning, but it is one of those yeah. things as well. I think with, uh, and this is something for, you know, students or people who've been practicing for six months or so, 80% of your clients can be quite easy. You know, 10% yes. like of your clients require you to do a bit of work. Maybe 5% of your clients can be a bit tricky. And the, yeah. the, re the real professional training is not to teach you how to do the 80%. It's to, yes. te it's to teach you how to handle the, the tough 5%. And, yes. and if you think, well, I don't need to do it because I can get 80 or 90, it's the 5 or 10% that you have trouble with that are going to be the difference between success or failure in the long run. Yes, yes. And I actually have a story about that. Uh, yeah. Doing um, a session, I had a woman come to me um, who had been listening to a, uh, a meditation at night for astral projection. And um, she and her family, I, I, I'll just say they have a science background. So this was pretty new for her, a new concept for her. And one morning she woke up and she was starting to hear voices and um, different phenomenon were happening to her so I you know accepted her as a client and I took her on and uh, I started the session with the idea of doing just 
parts just to see, you know, if this was just something, you know, what's going on, right? Starting with parts. And um, pretty soon the mood changed pretty quickly uh, during the session. Uh, there was obviously something else there. And I went to, and I was like, okay, I was so grateful <laughs> that I took your uh, spirit attachment class yep. because I, I was like, okay, going right to um, the uh, handouts that you, that you provide. And it helped me out so much during that session. Uh, so we ended up finding out what it was. And uh, she actually had opened the door to abilities that she did not know were there. They were just dormant. And prior to this, she was scared. She was not leaving her house. She was just terrified of what was happening. And then I checked in with her about a week later uh, after that first session. And she was like, I know what this is now. I feel great about it. And I'm going out tonight. And, you know, all the, like, oh, my gosh, that's great. So, yeah. So you can think it's going to move along smoothly where you have your protocol. But then something can happen. And um, you're not always going to be trained on that um, sufficiently enough um, in just one at one institution. Like I do recommend constantly seeking new learning i mean how else are you going to grow as a hypnotherapist yeah oh that's great yeah and it's uh and it is important everyone has their own style and emphasis so when i teach what i teach i really think about i don't think about can i just download everything i know i really think mm -hmm. about what i'm not going to teach because because yeah. like less is more is important and if other people, are, I want to teach stuff that I, only really I can teach or that gives mm -hmm. me a distinct voice and a distinct approach so that if you've done it with other people, so the, the case yeah. of, you know, if, if, if it was all cooked, if, if, if there's a certain standard where everyone teaches the same thing, then going to the, a different course and a different course over the years wouldn't make any sense. But the, right. the, the, the reason that works is because teachers, and particularly in this kind of work, uh, have their own style and their own emphasis. And you can go to a past life therapy training by one person and then go to the, another one the next week with another person and you're getting two different sets of learnings. Oh, yeah, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay. So actually I wanted to just come back to, uh, you know, what shapes you as a person. And so you mentioned you're what you're born and bred in Texas, uh, mm -hmm. but, but then you, so that's sort of one place which has a distinct culture. It's almost, you know, the Lone Star State, it's sort of one one almost a sort of a country into itself and then you go yeah. into new orleans which is a sort of quite a distinct culture in itself as well so can you tell us a bit about are those two big influences on you know who you are as a person and the environment that you're living and working in now wow that's a great question um well i you know i was i was raised in texas um in dallas so i was in you know northeast texas and um you know, I had, like I said, I had a Catholic upbringing. I mean, the Irish nuns, the whole thing. Okay. <laughs> um, I feel like that that schooling shaped me quite a bit. I also feel that, uh, you know, early on in that setting, you know, spirituality is so much a part of your day-to-day -day that uh, it's just a, you know, normal thing. But when um, I was in high school, my sisters were involved in the Anne Rice Vampire Ball here in yeah. New Orleans. And um, I got to tag along one time and I just fell in love with this city at a very young age. Um, 
and I just I was like, I'm gonna live there one day, and I found a reason to come back for college. <laughs> but okay. um, and I did find out, you know, later that there was a path like connection here, and so on and so forth. How far do you trace your family back? And like, did they come over from from Ireland? Yes, yes. Uh, we actually just did that. It's interesting that you asked. We actually just did our genealogy, um, and I'm I can pinpoint different uh, counties in Ireland that we came from. Okay, so how, how many generations in the United States? Oh gosh, during um, the potato famine that everybody came over, so that was like the 1840s. Interesting, yeah. right? Well, I, I I relatively recently did my genealogy as well, and found and like uh, my guys came over from England and Scotland in the 1860s. Oh wow! Lucky. Yeah, yeah. So it's so it's sort of funny. I, I, the United States, so I was born in New Zealand. So that's, a, you know, the last major landmass to be populated uh, or uh, yeah. uh, even the Polynesians a thousand years ago. And then we, you know, joined in 150, 200 years ago. So it's interesting. A lot of people in the United States, it's, a, you know, a couple of hundred years older. Uh, but yeah, it's, okay, that's interesting. So it's, so Catholicism, you know, obviously a big part of Ireland and still, uh, still part of uh, contemporary uh, American life. So did that influence you as well? You even mentioned a spirit release client. So was that was that the sort of the spirituality, even some of the ideas of exorcism or, or spirit entities are stronger in Catholicism than most other forms of Christianity. So is that something that was that was part of your uh, background? Oh, yes, I think so. I mean, in Catholicism, I think to some people can be to, to other um, Christian groups can be a little spooky <laughs> right? <laughs> because of some of the you know the ritualistic uh practices and um yeah and then you know you i was taught by irish nuns and they had their own mysticism you know separate they may not have noticed it but they had their own mysticism separate from uh you know just catholicism so yeah it was just it's always very superstitious and uh, okay. i don't know how else it, but yeah so, right yeah very much a part of my life <laughs> who I am today. Okay. And so then you mentioned that in, in New Orleans is probably like the spooky, superstitious, spiritual center as well. So you've sort of doubled up on that. So, so yes. tell so tell us, so tell, and so uh, I'm curious, so tell us a bit about uh, even like New Orleans, so like the energy of the place and, uh, you know, maybe what attracted you or even what's happening there now. So you said you work with the metaphysical resource center. Uh, so yeah, so uh, yeah, so we we'll maybe start off telling us about uh, what, what the energy and the vibe is in New Orleans? Oh, well, New Orleans is, um, I feel like no other place in the world. I haven't traveled everywhere. Okay. Uh, I've only really been to, to Europe a okay. few times. But uh, New Orleans has just a, such a unique feel to it. There's, it's one of the older places in the United States. It's not the oldest, but one of the older yep. places. And, you know, it's a port town. So, so many different souls have come through this place for hundreds of years. And not to mention, you know, pirates, privateers, I mean, so on and so forth. Uh, they were the ones that helped to uh, build the city uh, to what it is today. I mean, we have our famous uh, pirate, uh, Jean Lafitte, who, uh, you know, is heavily revered around here. Uh, but he was a ruthless pirate, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah he was a part of our foundation um and i mean the spiritualism is just 
uh, a part of the day-to-day here. Um, It's not, and there's almost nothing you can do that's going to shock anyone in New Orleans. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. yeah, so you've got Creole there. And so actually a friend of mine who's also been on the podcast, Victoria, she's from the Dominican Republic, which is not that far if you're on a boat. And so they've got uh-huh. Catholicism and then voodoo and that mixture yes. of cultures and spirituality. So so t- so that how's that Creole culture and uh, uh, all of that? Is that is that uh, something you feel uh, in New Orleans? Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, voodoo is, you know, it's, it's just a normal practice here um there's quite a few voodoo priestess here and groups that's you know that actively practice and i mean it's just a part of the fabric of this city and i don't see it ever changing okay okay so that is interesting that's and this is one thing that can be an early indicator for a past life connection uh you know even like what is it that gets you into past lives you can find a book or connect with something but it you know can't even it sounds like you, you you go to a place so I remember even going to Asia, stepping off the plane mm-hmm. as a 16-year-old and just going, wow, just the, the heat, the smell, everything hits you and you just feel at home. And I've lived yeah. in Asia for the majority of my life. But as a 16-year-old, wow. I was, you know, just st- in, you know, in white bread New Zealand, but then I was there and boof, that was it. And I'm going to live here and that's it. And I went to India, that was in uh, Indonesia. And then, uh, yeah, a few years later, it had this similar, just more intense feeling in India. And that was it. Yeah. And so, so, and that's one of those things that that's a past life indicator for me. So it sounds like for you to connect with New Orleans, you know, the past life influences there. So you mentioned you even did regressions and found out a connection. So what was that connection? What was that experience? Well, it was funny because it wasn't one that I had actually experienced. It was with a client. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I regressed uh, a client of mine and uh, she had some very interesting past lives based in New Orleans. Like she said, multiple ones here. And there was a particular uh, part where she was kind of involved, not kind of, she was involved in um, like brothels and um, all that whole scene, uh, like the story, this uh, Storyville here. And um, she's like, oh, and you're here too. And apparently I was associated with her, a friend of hers during that particular time. I was like, wow, I'm glad that, uh, that I know that because I have yet to experience uh, that particular life yet. <laughs> okay, interesting. Yeah, that is something like, uh, 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 let's say out of a, you know, if you do a thousand sessions, I think you'll find a few, uh, two or three times that you show up in someone else's. So it's been yeah. my experience of like it does happen. But, you know, if someone's thinking, oh, I've done 20 past life regressions, when am I going to show up in someone else? Let's say do a thousand and then that'll (laughs) probably happen. Oftentimes the experiences of our clients, they're they're learning and teaching them things. But often there's a dual lesson where whatever our client's experiencing or learning, oftentimes there's something in it for the therapist as well. And that's probably not an an excellent. Have you had that kind of experience or? Oh, yeah, I, th- I feel like that with almost all of my clients. I feel like, uh, you know, as much as they're gaining, I'm gaining too. I'm always learning. Right. You know, from that. Well, exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, I, yeah, I remember even just learning the word vicarious. And, uh, uh-huh. and, and, and in fact, it was a teacher in, in, in school where 16, everyone said, Did, you know, does everyone, who knows what the word vicarious means? And no one really knew what it meant. But it means, you know, learning through other people's experiences without having to have them yourself. 
And so just that, oh. that word always stuck with me. And I think that's just such a great way of, you know, we, we're here incarnating learning spiritual lessons. And we do that experientially through the vehicle that we're in. But as a, this is one of the great benefits of doing this work is that you can double, triple, quadruple. You know, if you learn, you learn your lessons, but then you learn vicariously the lessons of all of your clients and what a way to accelerate your, you know, spiritual lesson getting. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, yes, I agree completely. Yeah, that's, that's on the, you know, the answer to a question I didn't ask yet, but like, you know, why do we do this and what benefit is it and why do we keep doing it? I think that's a big part of it. And so, and it is the kind of magical when, you know, you show up in other people's regressions and that kind of thing. So, yeah, so that, and so that helps, uh, you know, answer some questions that you might have, you know, why am I so into New Orleans? And the same thing, why am I so into India or Asia? And then you do past life regressions and you're like, okay, that makes sense. Uh, so, yeah. yeah, so actually, can you tell us about some of your other uh, past life experiences? You mentioned, you know, you come back in, in a same country or a same city and you can resonate with that. You have other ones where you, uh, things are different. Uh, you know, you're, you're a different gender, you're in a different role. So what's some of your other past life experiences personally? Well, um, it's funny that you, you know, you brought that fact up about, you know, when you were 16 and you were like, whoa, I've been here before. Um, I had that experience too around that same age in London, <laughs> but more specifically Hampton Court. Okay. Uh, the, one of my past lives, which I found out, you know, much later, but when I was there as a teenager, it was, I was blown away. Like, I had no real... Uh, I was really into Henry VIII and his six wives. I loved that stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's so you know, juicy, uh, juicy history. But um, beyond that, I didn't really know a whole lot about England. And then when I got off the plane and started walking around London, whoa. But when I went to Hampton Court, it was it was like I knew what was around the corner, especially when I got to the kitchen. It was like, I have been here before. It was so overwhelming <laughs> for me. Okay. And then so later on when I did a past life regression, not going anywhere, you know, in particular, um, I landed in England and I landed in Hampton Court. And uh, I was this, I felt like I was a teenager at the time. And I was, you know how when you have, you know, your regressions, like you are, most of the time you're fully assimilated into it and you're feeling their feelings and you're, you're having their thoughts. And I was totally boy crazy. Right. <laughs> I, court. I worked there and um, I don't know, I was a, um, I don't know if it was a lady in waiting. Like I was assigned to different guests that came and I was supposed to help them get dressed. And um, okay. yeah. And I just remember like seeing a guy, uh, up against the wall and I was looking at his uh, calves yeah. and I was like wow look at him like looking at his calves <laughs> but I found out later that was the thing like <laughs> that was actually something that people found really attractive right. uh, it was hilarious when it came out but um, but so that so that was one and um, you know I progressed through that lifetime I ended up dying pretty young but it was one of my happiest lives uh, that I've experienced um, through uh, visiting my past lives. Okay, right. And so it's those kind of experiences, you know, at a young age, so we mentioned, you know, you have, uh, I, I want to get into it. Uh, I have, that, that is, that's kind of an, an early awakening. And yes. it's, it, 
Yeah, that's the kind of thing that makes you, because, you know, if you just start off as a blank slate with a Western education, just getting your idea around karma, past lives may or may not be real. No one's really mentioned it up until now. It's a bit of a weird Eastern kind of a thing to, while, you know, the Buddha says it's not, uh, that's the way it is. And the Dalai Lama seems like a nice guy. Why would he lie to me? You know, but, <laughs> but to, um, to have it as a really experiential feeling that you connect with it, uh, you know, is, is another, another next step. And so that's something um, that, yeah. And so you can have those experiences on your own, uh, you know, as a young person, but then in order to explore those, then that's when that's what will draw you. So you said you went to the metaphysical resource center and at a session there, and that you've ended mm -hmm. up working there. Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to, uh, you know, over those years to have the initial experience, to have regressions that help it make sense. Now you go back there as a practitioner. So what's what's that center like? What's that community like? What does that uh, that place mean to you? Oh, I, I really, um, I don't know what I would do without this place. I love the people there. Um, they offer uh, so much to the community at a very affordable, um, a very affordable prices, I think because it's outside of the quarter. Um, so, you know, in the French Quarter, in the big tourist area, a lot of the metaphysical shops there are a little bit more pricey. While this place is um, not far, but maybe about 15 minutes, 15, 20 minutes away from that area, but far enough removed to where um, they service, you know, the local community. And um, I just love the fact that they do offer I mean, so many different types of courses, mediumship um, to like, table tipping um, and so on and so forth at very affordable rates because they want everybody to, uh, you know, experience, uh, you know, the work that they have to offer and the gifts that these people um, have to give to the world. So, I love it. Plus the shop too, um, they have, you know, crystals and uh, pretty much anything you can think of, incense, different tarot decks, so on and so forth. But they're all very affordable. Um, that's one of the things that I love most about it is that they have a lot of integrity when it comes to this work. Okay. I'm just sort of curious as well about some of the logistics. So uh, do you work, do you have like an office there that you work out, out of? So it's a, there's a healing room. Yep. Um, so we just rent the room yep. when we have uh, clients. For people that are, they've done certification training and they're like, well, where do I take it from now? Do I get people on Zoom? You know, approach your uh, community or other healing centers and see if you can get involved. And I think that's really useful. So I would work in wellness resorts. We had a lot of fellow practitioners giving mm -hmm. all, a full range of complementary therapies and you hang out with all other people who are doing similar modalities, but not the same. So were there people, so is that kind of how it worked for you? Was there anyone else offering um, transpersonal hypnotherapy or did you have to then explain to them what it was and get them on board or how did that process of just sort of getting involved work for you? Well, it was really easy. Um, they did not have a hypnotherapist on, uh, you know, staff, if you will. Yep. Um, yep. they, so I just kind of, they, I told them what I did and, uh, the owner was just like, okay, well, we'll put you on the website. And, uh, I mean, it was really just, just that easy just another reason why i love that place because they're just so open and uh welcoming 
well. Yeah, that's great. So that's something I'd say to other healers. Uh, if you're looking for places to practice or you, and because it can be a lonely job, can be mm -hmm. one where if you're only ever on Zoom uh, mm -hmm. or, you know, it is not, or if you want to be out of office somewhere on person, you can't think of how to do it. That is one way. Uh, so yeah. yeah, so that's great. So you're doing that. And so yeah, great to see you're doing that and other people can follow your lead. Uh, yeah. And so the part of that is as well as you get to work you know, you're in a peer reviewed environment and it's sort of even nice to have on your uh, CV, which, uh, which is, you know, you, you know, it's another form of social proof. Uh, yes. And because of that, actually, I went and did a good job there. <laughs> they let you stay on, but I also ended mm -hmm. up giving training in my modalities to some of their staff members. <laughs> so you, I get oh, to sell, you, yeah, you sold, <laughs> a sold, a, sold a whole full training course as well. So you know, there are a lot of benefits and getting involved in your local healing community. So I re recommend people doing that. So you're doing transpersonal hypnotherapy, which is uh, hypnotherapy regression based, but then bringing in past lives between lives, which is, it may seem like you're offering a range of modalities, but in, in a sense, it's really just sort of one that all just fit together holistically, isn't it? Uh, but then one thing you are doing is bringing in this one other aspect, which is less common. What was it that got you into karmic astrology? Astrology was something that I was interested in, you know, as a teenager and it just never went away. It was something that I always um, was looking into building my knowledge on through the years um, until I had, you know, discovered um, past life astrology or karmic astrology, you know, it's just doing progressions and things like that. Uh, but when I found that, it like, <laughs> blew my mind. So yeah. being able to, gauge somebody's past life um, experiences through their chart and not only that um, you know you also get an idea of where they need to evolve in this lifetime so that would be uh, your south node and north node placement i work really heavily with with that end of the karmic astrology um, uh, your south node placement is uh, energy that you're comfortable with, with what you're good at, what you've mastered from past lives. And your north node placement is where you need to be moving towards. So for me, I felt like that fit beautifully into um, past life regression sessions, uh, especially if you geared it towards you know, spiritual growth. Um, so we would, you know, I would regress somebody to their south node placement life, and we would move through that, do any particular healing that we need to do uh, from that lifetime. And then I would do, uh, you know, a piece to help them pro propel themselves forward on their north node track to help them along. Okay. Yeah. So astrology is one of those things where, for me, you've got Western astrology. And, and I, I came across, I was living in India for years and in the yogic circles, I met people who got pretty into Vedic astrology. And then I, and I also, besides yoga, I was also pretty into Tibetan Buddhism, spent a lot of time there. And I noticed on your Instagram, you're mentioning uh, the Tibetan astrology as well. Well, I do. I'm very familiar with Vedic astrology. Uh, I had recently, um, discovered components of Buddhist astrology, which I'm very interested in as okay. well. I did a, I did write uh, a quick little blog on the death horoscopes uh, in Buddhist uh, astrology. Um, I feel like I know that there's a lot of debate about this 
far as Western versus Eastern astrology, yeah. um, you know, it's very different, but then it's not, uh, I feel like, yeah. I feel that uh, there's a value in all of them. Uh, okay. For example, you know, I do focus mostly on Western astrology, but everything that I'm focusing on in Western astrology, there is an equivalent in Vedic astrology as well. So yeah, it's really just what I'm most comfortable with, but I do uh, find value in all of them. I don't think one is better than the other necessarily. Sure. I, I would not say that ever uh, there is no value in Vedic or Buddhist astrology. I feel that there's so much history there that there's probably a lot for me to learn. Sometimes it's really just a matter of picking the thing that you connect with and working within this sort of one paradigm, but you know, particularly follow the teachings that I have rather than try and do too much. Yes. So it was like karmic astrology, a subset of Western astrology. How does that work? Yes, it's, I guess it's a subset of karmic astrology. Although of course there's uh, I mean, in Buddhist astrology, there's uh, this as well. So I can't really uh, say that it's just Western. Um, but that's what I'm most familiar with um, and my clients are most familiar with. Uh, but so as far as the South Node goes, I mean, that is telling us where you're coming, what you're coming in with, uh, that... what lifetime that you could have uh, experienced. I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, yeah. So it's interesting. that So within Western astrology, you've got the concept of karma. Yes. Which is sort of, is that something that what has been taken out of a lot of Western philosophy? So does that mean, but I understand people like Plato and Socrates believed in reincarnation. And so, and are they part of, so you can tell us a bit about how karmic astrology is actually part of Western culture and understanding? I think that it, uh, it is, and it's gaining more and more uh, attention uh, in recent times. Uh, especially you've seen this a newer generation of astrologers. First of all, there's a lot more astrologers nowadays, okay. and uh, which I love. I'm really excited about that. Uh, but you also are seeing that rise of karmic astrologers, uh, which is awesome. I try to follow as many as I can and learn as much as I can from anybody. Uh, but yes, uh, it's, it's definitely there. Okay, well, that's interesting. I mean, we said that's part of what I was talking about, you know, the, the Catholic background that you have being in Texas, the Bible Belt, all this kind of stuff. But it's mm -hmm. so that's kind of interesting when you really go back into it, because what people can have this thing of, you know, there's an Eastern culture of reincarnation and past lives versus our, there's one life, you go to heaven or you don't. And that's kind of it. So the idea of karma is something, you know, like I said, you have to you know, overcome your Western education in order to, to take it. But just and rather than having to believe in a, a weird Eastern thing, you can realize, yes. well, this was actually a, a lost part of my Western education as well. Yes. So, yeah, so, so, that, so that's great. And so it's, we're not rediscovering or taking on a foreign way of thinking, uh, which is a very this life way of thinking about the world anyway, because nothing's really yes. nothing's really foreign if you're a soul particularly if you remember oh being born in the East a number of times, then like you're only a Westerner in the conventional definition in this life anyway. So, you know, to speak to that, I was going to ask you about some of the case studies that you have with people. So, so maybe you can tell us a bit about the kind of issues that people bring to you and then the kind of resolutions that you end up uh, finding. I had a case with a woman who 
when I spoke with her during our consult, uh, you could just feel like the heaviness that she was carrying around with her. Uh, she was just at a loss about her life. Um, what was her purpose was pretty much her main, uh, her main issue. However, she was struggling with, uh, you know, other, you know, depression and so on and so forth, you know, on, on top of all of that. So, um, she ended up booking a karmic destiny session and that's that my whole session with uh, the astrology and so on and so forth. And um, we ended up uh, regressing her to her South node past life. And uh, she had a Scorpio South node and I have found, and I recently did a video on uh, TikTok and Instagram about this, that Scorpio South nodes tend to have very intense past lives. Uh, so she had a Scorpio South node and the lifetime was her working as a servant in, in some um, estate in England. And it just seemed like, you know, everything was normal until, you know, the truth was found out. Uh, she was heavily abused. Uh, she was sexually abused and apparently she is holding secrets. Uh, the children uh, that she had, they were passing off as their children. The uh, owner had actually, her, her, I don't know what you would call him, his, her boss had been uh, raping her and having children. And she had to pretend like they weren't her children like her whole life, even though she took care of them. So um, through that session, um, we move into the death scene and it was sad. I mean, the whole life was sad. Uh, they pretty much, you know, sent her off to a convent to die. And she had a lot of regrets left over before she passed. And so after um, the death scene, we worked through these regrets and uh, releasing a lot of this and um, any residual karma, anything that she was carrying. And then, um, you know, I progressed her towards uh, the question answer phase where she'll get 20 questions that she gives to me prior to, and then I'll ask on her behalf. And um, she had some spirit guides come in and we asked, um, you know, all her questions. Um, but the biggest one was the life's purpose question. And uh, they were very specific. They told her that uh, she was here to help take care of, you know, animals and older people. And that was part of her purpose. And then, uh, then I progressed, you know, through the session and we went through the North Node um, piece where I tried to propel her forward on that North Node track. We come out and um, a week later I contact her and she it was like night and day with her. She said um, that that session had it was like turned a light bulb on for her. She's like, now I know my purpose. And she had already uh, looked into volunteering at animal shelters and she was taking care of her 90 year old mother and aunt. And she said, besides looking at it as a chore, I'm looking at it now as something, you know, part of my purpose is why I'm here. So that was a, a pretty nice, uh, a nice experience. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. And so it is funny. People always, doing an action and you know it's like what do i do 
but uh, and they may not know what to do. But a key can be while you're already doing it in a way, or it, it may seem simple, but if you have that real why behind it, you know why you're doing what you're doing, and then that makes all the difference. And it's so interesting to just have that that lightness. And that is mm -hmm. just just remind me what was the presenting issue. She had a heaviness, a sadness about her. Yes. Yeah, so she had. Uh, well, she was really uh, wanting to know what her purpose was. Right. But she was carrying all this sadness and depression that I felt after doing the session. A lot of it was some carryover from that particular lifetime. Uh, the abuse that she endured, uh, the neglect, I mean, and just, just totally not uh, appreciated, completely taken for granted. Uh, yeah. Plus the idea of her children um, never knew that she was actually her real mother. And uh, that was the deep sadness that she carried. And, you know, like I said, we worked through that um, before we moved into the question and answer phase of the session. Um, but yeah, so it was that was a really nice session that it worked out the way that it did with a case where it felt like her, you know, how she was feeling the heaviness that she was carrying around was so heavy that I didn't know that it could make a difference in just a single session. But in this particular case, um, it made a big impact on her. I'm thinking about other examples of the kind of people you work with. And in the old days in hypnotherapy, it was, you know, weight loss, smoking. It's like, okay, it's pretty concrete. But we t tend, tend to not really do too many of those sessions these days, particularly if you're doing transpersonal hypnotherapy. How many of your clients come with a well-defined issue? And how many of them come saying, I'm drawn here for some reason, I don't even can't even really articulate it? Wow. Yeah, um, I would say that a lot of them either just want the experience or it is, you know, that life purpose sort of, you know, nebulous okay. thing. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I would say that most of the time that's uh, where my clients fall. Do I have clients that come in with specific issues? Yes. Uh, but for the most part, uh, when I'm doing just my transpersonal uh, hypnotherapy, it, it's within that realm. And I have found that, I don't know if you've found this too, but when uh, people come to you for life purpose and then we go through the session and then we find life purpose, I've often found my clients get answers like you're here to love or you're here uh, to make people laugh, uh, those sorts of things. And they're like, oh, wow, that's it? <laughs> it's like, yes, apparently it is. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, in terms of the answer, in terms of doing isn't particularly satisfactory. So you're not really going to get told exactly what to do, uh, but you know, you might have a why, and this is even actually really part of the issue that people have. People really want to be a human doing. Yes. Like, what do they I do? do. And, and the answer isn't, it's, it's really be a really being, be, be in yeah. the now, be in the moment, be, get be into being and don't worry too much about doing and the, the doing, the worrying about the doing is what's putting, putting out of being the, in the, the being. So, uh, it's really an antidote yeah. to a lot of this. Does that make sense to you or? say that kind of thing yes yes and it, the other you know point i like to make to my clients that may be like oh so i'm just supposed to be loving i don't think that you you know you need to think about it as we don't fully grasp the impact an individual has on us until they're gone or you know they're, they're out of our lives and just you know your presence alone can bring you being who you are can bring so much to to another person you have no idea 
Yeah. Do you find that that's the case? Absolutely. It reminds me when I was young and ambitious, well, I was quite young in order to still be ambitious, have things that you want to do. So I asked somebody if it's like, you know, what do you want to do? And thinking, what do you want to achieve? Where do you want to go? All these, and she just said, I just want to be a good person. Oh. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I'm like, it sort of stopped me in my tracks and was completely not the train of thought that I was going down. But uh, that, that is pretty much it. You know, if you can go through night life, not craving, not having greed, not having excess consumption, not desiring, thinking about what you can get from a situation instead of what you can give, be driven by all of our emotions and desires. If you can calm and tame that and just sort of be peacefully content in a very simple way, that's you know an ultimate kind of part of an answer in that. And within that as well, uh, I, I find some of the other key things that come up is from that is that you forgive those who are going out cheating, stealing, lying, taking, you know, all of this stuff. One of your past lives you said was you kept being, uh, being incarnated as a male. So what was yeah. sort of, this, what was that experience like? Well, I have two. Um, and one of them was as a Roman soldier. It was after the fall of Rome because there was a scene where I was like a teenager and there were, it was just chaos in the streets. And, um, so I don't know if I can technically say I was a Roman soldier per se, but uh, but I was definitely a soldier uh, as I progressed forward, yeah. and it was bizarre. <laughs> it was bizarre. I was riding a horse in one scene, and I was, um, you know, like I said, a soldier. And I looked down at my legs, and they were just so muscular, <laughs> and I felt like I had like dark hair, like to here, and I felt like I was. God's gift of women. That's how I felt. Like okay. That was like my attitude, and uh, which was uh, weird. I'm noticing a theme here. You and your beautiful calves. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is wrong with me? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> but yeah, definitely focusing a little bit on the legs. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, and then I progressed into uh, there was a battle of some sort, and it was the death scene for me, and I was still fairly young, uh, but. That seems really powerful because uh, I'm laying there and as a soldier, I'd already sort of made peace with the fact that I could die at any moment. So that wasn't, I wasn't scared at all. I was ready. And um, then off to the side, this golden cloud opens up and I see these faces poking through with smiles. And I'm like, I know who that is. And it was like, I knew who they were, but I didn't know who they were. Like, in that life, it was my father. And in this life, he was also my father who came to retrieve me. And I was like, thank God this is over. <laughs> and then, like, left. Uh, and then I had another lifetime. Uh, it had to have been, like, in the 1930s, 1920s. Uh, I feel like it was somewhere in the south yeah. here. And um, it, uh, being a young man, one of the scenes was me going to the park and I remember thinking about the flappers' dresses. Uh, you know, things had changed as far as fashion goes. Yep. And I remember thinking, like, I'm glad that they're wearing less clothes. And uh, that was just a very different feeling for me. And uh, I was also, uh, yeah, just there scoping out the ladies uh, as a young man. And yep. then I got in my car and I had a, uh, it was moonshine. And it was in a bottle and it was, 
next to me and it was just like a lovely night and I'm just cruising by drinking like through it, it, it was just it was different yeah and then I ended up uh it was the man that so it was like a judge or a lawyer or something and uh yeah something else that comes up often uh I've thought of another case where um a woman uh was struggling with uh, uh issues in her marriage uh and we had done um so a regression and um, there was definitely a lot of really awful abuse uh, from uh, from this person that was her is her husband now. Uh, obviously, the roles change, and you know the years, everything changes except for the dynamic. Um, one of the biggest lessons that came out of uh, the sessions were uh, learning compassion too, uh, and that is not easy when it's somebody that may have harmed you quite a bit uh you know abused you so on and so forth but i have found that that's another big one that comes through is learning compassion um, like you said earlier you know they know not what they do right so yeah. um and understanding that and really really digesting it and trying to practice it is, is important what would you say to people who are maybe interested in doing this kind of work, maybe if there was like the 19 year old you is sort of into past life aggression and wondering what to do, or the one, the one that's off studying psychology or the one that's being a teacher thinking, oh, I still like in the therapy, wonderful, get around to it. And so what would you say mm -hmm. to, to, to people who are at whatever stage you are on this journey of wanting to uh, be where you are now, which is a practicing professional transpersonal hypnotherapist doing past life aggressions for a job? Well, I would say do it. <laughs> I would say do it. I know you'd mentioned earlier about the, you know, people's journey where they were, oh, I really like this, but then they were, they went on a detour in life and then they came back. Um, uh, you know, I, I know that it was part of my journey as well. Um, and there was really almost nothing I could have done about it, but it doesn't stop you from studying it. It doesn't stop you from reading any books about it um until you feel that you are ready but in my opinion i feel like you should just do it just try it you know make it happen uh because it's a wonderful profession it's incredibly rewarding um and uh i love it um i'm very passionate about it and uh, i think there needs to be more of us out there okay and what would you say to people who are interested in having sessions with you uh, well, first I would, uh, you know, advise them maybe we should, you know, have a, a little chat prior to so schedule a consultation, a complimentary consultation, and we can go from there. Um, most of the time we can, um, you know, we can work through uh, what it is that you're looking, you know, to achieve whatever your goal is or what you're trying to resolve. Uh, but it's nice to just have that, you know, introductory chat. That's a great idea. I always do that as well, because right? people can uh, not have sessions because they think I'm not quite sure if I can do it, if I've got a good enough reason, whatever it is. And you can think that for a long time. But if you just simply reach out and ask, once you get into it, they start realizing, oh, I sort of thought we could work on this. But then you dig into it a little bit and you find out this is a key point to grasp onto and that can really uh, be uh, valuable. How can people find out more about you? How can they contact you? So I'm on Instagram. Um, I'm Hypnotic Niche, um, and my website is thehypnoticniche.com. Um, I'm also under Maggie Donovan Hypnotherapy as well. Uh, so yeah, you can find me there. Okay, great. I'll put the links up 
and uh, the podcast and the YouTube. So yeah, check out Maggie's work. I am. And so thank, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you so much. I really enjoyed it.